Good morning, everyone. Welcome to those who are joining us from home and also in the fellowship hall today. Today is the third week of our series called The Game of Life, about the rules that God gives his people for the building of a trustworthy world. And today is also the first Sunday of the season of Lent. In this season, we remember the price Jesus paid to fulfill the law on our behalf. In Lent, we remember why we need a Savior. And on Easter, we rejoice and celebrate that we have one. But nothing helps us remember that we need grace more than when we look into God's intentions for us through his law. Because God's laws show us that there are still plenty of ways that we are being called to grow more like Jesus. But Jesus' grace gives us the courage to dive into them and to be shaped by them and by his mercy. The first weeks of this series, we looked at the commandments that God gave us about how to love him, to honor him first, to honor his name, and honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And from that basis of respect and love for God, the rest of the commands flow into how God wants us to expand that love toward our neighbor. And as our Lord eases us into understanding his call to love our neighbor, he starts with the very first relationships we ever develop in this command, honor your father and mother. Well, any board game that you play has a starting place, and usually that starting place is called home. And the same is true in baseball. Home is where you start. It's where you take your first swings at the world, what the world throws at you. It's your launching point to run off into the world, and it's where you end. And no matter how hard you play, it's only when your feet hit home that it all counts, right? And in the same way, God's commandments show us what actually counts to him, what matters in God's kingdom. And it's good that we pay attention to his rules for the game of life because often what counts with the Lord ends up looking pretty different than the kind of scorecards that the world wants us to keep. In fact, a lot of times, the very same things the world calls a win, the creator of life will call it best unimportant and at worst a fail at what actually matters for eternity. So as we engage with life, we have to start with knowing whose rules are we going to play by. What's our ultimate goal? To defeat all the competition and win by the standards of the world and take what that gets us? Or is our goal in the end to find ourselves embraced by the creator of life and welcomed home with the words, well done, good and faithful servant? What makes it all count in the end? Well, when Jesus went to the cross for us, by the standards of the world, it looks like he had utterly lost, lost everything, freedom, status, influence, even his life. But in losing everything and dying for us, Jesus opened the way for us to receive ultimate victory. By the world's rules, to lay down one's life for another isn't winning. But Jesus wasn't playing by the world's rules. He was fulfilling God's, where love, selfless love freely given changes everything. God's ways are not the world's ways, but they are meant to be, even imperfectly, ours. So as God's people, redeemed by Jesus' grace, what can we learn about what matters most to God from the rules of the game that he has given us? What do we learn about what he wants for people in his people today in this command from the Ten Commandments? Honor your father and your mother. Well, apparently, 
that love for the neighbor starts at home. And we all start this life utterly helpless. Baby deer, a couple hours after birth, are up and walking. And if you check out nature videos online, it's amazing to see how many animals within minutes or hours of being born are up on their feet. Now compare that to the newborn human baby. We are the utter definition of helpless, aren't we? Primates in the animal kingdom can at least regulate their own body temperature, and they have the grip strength to hold on to a mom on the move. Us? Nope. Utterly, completely helpless. If someone doesn't take care of us, we die. And we have nothing to offer in return. We can't even smile at that point. No, the fact is human beings only survive if someone makes the selfless, intentional choice to take care of us. Love is not a feeling. It's a committed action. It takes the choice of another to love this child by their actions for it to have life. And that choice to love and action is made day in, day out for years until that human child is able to survive in the world. So why are we so helpless? The scientific answer to this question has to do with our human potential. The horse walks immediately at birth because its brain is almost fully developed after spending almost a year in utero. But our brains are meant to grow bigger than any human mother could survive giving birth to, so we need to do more of our brain growth out in the world. Because we are meant to be more, we have to start more vulnerable. Interesting, isn't it? In Genesis, we learn that God made human beings, both male and female, in the image of God. Made in the image of the God who is love, we can only live in this world when someone selflessly chooses in love to help us live. And this same God who created us to need the love of others sent Jesus to save us not by what we do, but in what we will humbly receive from him by faith through his freely given redeeming love and action for us. So life, both in our birth on earth and in our new birth into eternity, can only be received from one who first chooses to love us. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We who are meant to be more must start vulnerable. So what does this have to do with the commandment, honor your father and mother? It has to do with the kind of people God calls us to be. People who also, like him, choose to love in action. Now, if you're like me, usually when I hear this commandment, honor your father and mother, I think of children. Kids, respect your parents. Do what they say. Listen to what they teach you. Now, that's certainly important because parents are the primary teachers of faith to their children. Most of what kids learn about God, they learn from their parents. And incidentally, I think it's pretty great that in such a patriarchal time and culture, mom gets equal billing in this command. Honor your father and your mother. But a commentary I was reading in preparation for today pointed out something that I missed that felt pretty obvious to me in hindsight. The original audience for this teaching was not children, but adults. In fact, mostly male adults. 
So remembering that audience, does this command land a little differently for you? Deuteronomy 5. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This command is speaking to adults about how God feels about honoring aging parents. Honor your father and mother. For better or for worse, whether they did it well or poorly, they gave you the start that brought you where you are today. And that which has been given to you, God tells us, is worthy of your honor and respect. My people are to be those who take care of those who once cared for them. Which I think he reinforces by the part where he says, in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He's reminding them, don't forget, I am the one who's giving you this land. You are not so strong and independent that you don't need my help. So when the day comes when those who cared for you need your help, honor them because that's what I do for you. This is who my people are to be. And that value does not change and Jesus talked about this with the Pharisees. When they challenged Jesus about why his disciples didn't follow a tradition set by the elders, Jesus fires back in Matthew 15, 3 through 9. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus is saying, in your tradition, one day somebody said, well, if I give money to the church, then I don't have to take care of my parents. It's no longer on me to make sure they have enough to eat because I already gave my money to God. And Jesus is saying, who came up with that rule? Because <laughs> it wasn't God. <laughs> give your money where you want, but you are still the one they cared for, so you are still the one responsible to see them cared for. Love your neighbor as yourself starts with the people closest to you, even though sometimes that can be harder than loving a stranger. The Apostle Paul taught this to his mentee Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, saying, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. And then in verse 8, a little bit more harshly, as Paul sometimes is, <laughs> Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oof, tell me how you really feel, Paul. <laughs> but honestly, though, I feel like this command has always felt like a no-brainer to me. Why did God even need to bother putting this in his top ten? Because, unfortunately, it's not so much of a no-brainer as you might think. Surrounding cultures in the time of Moses used to leave their elderly parents behind to die when they could no longer care for themselves. And God wanted to be crystal clear that the people who call themselves by his name would never adopt that practice. 
Now, the fact that this sounds horrific to us actually says something about how blessed we are. One of the things I found hardest in my trips to Haiti, what broke my heart most, was to see elderly men and women literally starving to death alone in the dirt. There weren't many in Haiti who lived to be of advanced age, but where there is so little for everyone to live on, they are often the ones who get left behind. And when I heard Mission of Hope was building a retirement home to provide for these abandoned grandparents, I actually started to cry with joy. The last time Mission of Hope was here, they offered sponsorships for senior adults now, as well as for orphans and students to care for their needs. So beautiful. So much the heart of our God. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in the distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what does happen in the church when those who should be cared for by family aren't? Or who have no family? Well, through the ages, the church has taken seriously what Jesus said in Matthew 12 when he defined family in a different way than a connection by blood. Jesus said, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. In the New Testament letters and the book of Acts, we see from the earliest days of the church, the people of Jesus were stepping in to care for those who were alone, united not by bloodline, but by the blood of Jesus as faith family, living out love for neighbor. And that commitment starts at home. Now, having said all that, I realize that this message today about honoring your father and mother might be painful to many of you for different reasons. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a father or mother today. Maybe you're grieving a strained relationship in your family. Maybe you're grieving that during the pandemic, you've been cut off from your parents or your kids who you love and worry about in ways that are deeply painful to you both. It's hard to deal with the situation where caring for family means not hugging or not breathing the air around them. And some of the most painful stories and images of the pandemic are of those parents or grandparents suffering when loved ones are not able to be by their side. And the pain of the loved ones outside the windows breaks my heart just as much as those inside. And I have been moved to tears many times this past year to see nurses and doctors stepping in to be substitute sons and daughters to those in isolation rooms, offering in love to be the conduit stand-ins for the love of others to the dying, and suffering the cost of giving that love day in, day out. How can we ever say thank you enough to those who have stood in to honor our fathers and mothers in this way? I think more than ever before, we've come to know the value of these relationships to us. So now is the time to think about how we can live this well moving forward. Because the truth is, even when we can see each other again, there will still be times when we can't give our fathers and mothers the kind of care they need. And then how do we honor them? If you've been in that position, it might help you to remember that Jesus faced that same kind of situation too. On the cross, he looked down and saw his mother Mary watching him die, utterly devastated. And knowing after his death and resurrection, even though he would be her redeemer, he would not be able to care for her in the tangible earthly ways she would need. So what did Jesus do? 
He honored her by giving her care over to one that he trusted will fulfill her need. In John 19, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. See, Jesus was honoring God, his father, by his obedience unto death in that very moment on the cross. He could not change that path. But he also honored his mother by turning her care over to John, the beloved disciple. This is how he loved her well. Because sometimes to love and honor our loved ones means we find others who can provide for them in ways we cannot. And this, too, is Christ-like love. But giving love can be hard. Especially for those of you this morning for whom this command is hard because your parents hurt you. And you might be asking, how can I honor people who didn't honor me? Well, please hear what this command is saying and what it's not. It's not saying do everything they want. It's a command to show honor. And even if they have not earned your trust or respect, this call to show honor is actually not about them. It's about who you are. It's a call for you to live as a reflection of your true parent who has claimed you, redeemed you, and whose love will never abandon or forsake you. Scripture is full of reflections of the hearts of people who have that same wound, finding comfort in God's parenting. Psalm 2710 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And Isaiah 49, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. The nail-scarred hands of Jesus prove the commitment of the Lord's love for you. And Jesus, who taught us to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, shows us to sh calls us to show love even to those who hurt us, not because they deserve it, but because of whose you are. There's a quiet dignity in choosing to love this way. No need to be a doormat, but choosing to show love in action becomes a sacrificial gift of love unto the Lord. As Jesus taught us, the very first filter in loving neighbor is to do to others what you would have them do to you. Which brings me finally to something I want to share about God's little tag at the end of this command. Honor your father and mother that it might go well with you. Well, what does he mean by that? In all of these commands, not only is God trying to set something in motion for the good of the world, but there's always a trap that we can fall into that he's trying to protect us from as well. This is God the parent trying to protect us from ourselves as well as bless others. And I had a conversation with a friend a few years back that opened my eyes to this. My friend noticed over the years that one of the family siblings had choos chosen to cut their parents out of their family life. And over and over again, when asked for an invitation to celebrate life milestones and holidays with them and the grandkids, they'd say, no, we're just doing this with the family. And when they'd ask why they couldn't be part of it, they were told, it's time to make our traditions with our own family. Now, of course, there are legitimate reasons for this. Sometimes it's nice to do something small. And in situations where there's been abuse or mistrust or people are unsafe, sometimes it's necessary. 
but none of those factors were the case. For them, it just seemed easier to manage things by leaving them out. And by their actions through the years, they taught their kids family does not include grandparents. And what struck me in this is that these kids are growing up fast. And one day, not all that far away, those kids may have children of their own. Do these parents realize that they have been actively teaching that one day they themselves ought to be excluded from their own children's understanding of family? If their kids are learning from them, the day that they will be cut off and left out is fast approaching. Did that occur to them when they decided it was easier to exclude? I'm guessing not. (laughs) Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. See, we human beings are pretty short-sighted sometimes. We often don't look far enough ahead to see the consequences of our choices, but thankfully, God sees them. And he just straight up tells us, do this, that it may go well with you. Because I said so, (laughs) and later you will understand why. When these are the shoes on your feet, you'll see why I laid this foundation of love and action for you. Because at the heart of all of God's commandments is love. So what then does this mean for you? My prayer today is that you simply ask, what is the Lord saying to me in all of this? Is God calling you this week to show love and honor to someone who cared for you, whether they're your blood family or not? Or to send a note of encouragement or thanks to a nurse or a doctor or a family friend? Over Christmas, we put together care packages for some of our church family members who've been homebound to show them that we love them and haven't forgotten them. And there was so much joy in it all around that we're doing it again for Easter. And if you'd like to contribute or use our website or talk to Hannah at the orange wall today. But maybe for you, this message stirred up past hurts and unfulfilled longings and painful relationships in your life. And if that's the case, know that the Lord knows your hurt. Spend time this week and intentionally invite the Lord, your perfectly loving, kind and gracious heavenly parent, to meet you in that hurt and reassure you of his love for you that nothing can ever shake. And may this Lent remind you in a powerful way he will never forget you. He has engraved you on the palms of his hands. No matter how imperfect our earthly families, in Jesus Christ, we are adopted forever into a family that's eternal. And when we reach our final play of the game of life, whether the world has said that we win or lose, by the power of his grace, when our feet finally touch home, our Heavenly Father will be there to declare us safe by Jesus' blood. That is his promise. So in the meantime, beloved, as he has so loved you, as he has so loved me, let us love one another. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for seeing us with a parent's eyes. Thank you, Lord, for laying down laws for us that are for our good because you want good for us. And Lord, in this broken world, we know that you see um, the ways that we are hurt, we are wounded by the brokenness of the world around us. 
We pray, Lord, that you would help us to find our refuge, our hope, and our peace, and your love for us first, knowing that you are a God of love who created us in your image, and that as we need the care of others to survive in this world, so we need you, Lord, for eternal life. We thank you, Lord, that you so loved us that you met us in that need, that you sent your son Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. We pray as we joyfully receive that promise of your love for us, that your love would spill out through us into the world, starting with home, starting with those very first relationships in our lives. And Lord, we pray that we may so love that your love may spill out from our homes into the lives of all of those who need your care and your touch. May we be family to one another so that the world may know that you are Heavenly Father, not only for us, but also for them. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.